Welcome to this podcast from Mess to Miracle. Christianity plays a huge role in the fabric of our lives. To be honest, life is messy. Yet in the midst of the mess, God still uses us. The fact that God does is a miracle. This podcast is designed to inspire you in your walk with God and connect you with people and ministries that could be a blessing in your life. You will hear inspiring stories of believers exercising their faith to create miracles in their community. Welcome to From Mess to Miracle. My guest today is James Hepner. James could think of himself as an artist of experience. His passion is to create transformational experiences for himself and others to explore what it means to be truly live, fully alive. James is a, is a results coach and founder of Weekly Wins and Losses Podcast and Weekly Global Community Call. He helps people in their journey to embrace all of life, both wins and losses equally. James helps to fully establish the mental and physical courage needed to do difficult things while guiding you to actively activate your ability to leverage the good news that lies in the heart of both a win and a loss. We welcome James to the show. Powered by Riverside. Well, James, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Keith. I saw you were grooving to the music just now. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was thinking to myself, hey, this is like, this gets me right going. As long as it doesn't play too long, because I might just all of a sudden lose myself and I might shout out audibles, <laughs> even though I don't know what the words are, but I may just go for something. There <laughs> you go. You never know. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to warm you up with an easy question, or at least I think it's easy, but others have challenged that. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. Well, and this uh, this advice came at a time when uh, I needed it most, probably. And so, <laughs> obviously, and most often, it's like best advice comes at a time when, well, at least it's remembered as best advice. Let's say it this way. I used to look for how everything was the terrible news. So I was really proficient at turning the good news into the bad news. <laughs> and so uh, the best advice is look for what's good here. And I think what comes to heart for me on that one is, uh, you know, um, look for what's good. It isn't to say that other things are bad. It's just look to see what's the good news here. If it's not the good news, maybe you need to look at it again because whatever's in front of you is the good news. You must find a way of wrapping around that to not turn into positive, keep the facts intact, but good news. Good, good. The good news is what Jesus came to bring. Many people came to bring. Jesus is one of them. So there you go. I like that. I had a, a guest on my show from India who had kind of a similar piece of advice is to, is to look for not what, not what happened to you, but what God did to, through that. So it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you. True confessions. Hmm. True confessions. Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, most people probably don't know that I love gardening and it's kind of a random, <laughs> kind of a random thing. I was raised on a farm. So people, many people know that about me. And my dad was the, was a pastor of a sizable, they call it a mega church, I guess. And, 
uh, was raised, like I said, on, on the small mixed farm. And so, uh, strangely enough, I, um, I mean, I moved away from the farm and I got married. And uh, so I'm 46 and I got a wife of 22 years. We've been together for 27. I got two boys, 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. And the 15-year-old has high-functioning autism. And we, we live this, this life here now on the West Coast. My parents came from kind of meat and potato country, uh, central Canada, uh, Manitoba, to be exact, so directly above North Dakota. No, they didn't live in igloos. <laughs> they lived in houses with electricity. <laughs> and uh, what's fascinating is uh, uh, my mom, uh, over the years, she's always talked about the benefits of, of just getting with the earth and putting your hands in the dirt. And uh, I, when I smell dirt, I still, it still takes me back to the farm. But I uh, never thought that I would enjoy. I got this little herbal garden right out my window here. And uh, currently in Vancouver, that's where we're from here now, it is warming up. So the rainy season, we live in a temperate rainforest. The rainy season is virtually over. So I still have a little hood over it. So it keeps the plants inside warm. And it's like a little greenhouse. And right to the left of me behind this, there's a small little vegetable garden. So I grow herbs in that little tiny little greenhouse thing I described. And anyway, so uh, yeah, interesting. I, um, um, I think what fascinates me about the gardening concept is and I'll just share a quick little story if, if that's okay. Sure. Last year, I um, so in the vegetable garden, I planted a few rows of, and I like to choose unique things like purple cabbage or um, just weird random things. Why not? I can buy the stuff at the store, so I want to see if I can make this stuff grow, right? And see how. And I was so nervous when I planted. I'm like, why am I so nervous? Because back in the day, I jump in the tractor, we'd be planting and seeding things, and that's what we did. And and the strange thing is last year was the first year that I got into gardening. And so I, I, I'll never forget, I, I had the seeds and uh, I remember thinking, how do I do this? And I'm thinking, how do I do this? I know, you just scratch a little uh, line in the dirt and you put seeds in there and you cover it up and you water it. And uh, would you know, I had I actually didn't feel comfortable. I researched like how deep did I need to make the trough, how far apart the seeds, because I wanted to get it right, because this is the first time that I've been a farmer for my own harvest, like back in the day, I did this for my dad, and so I was interested, but I mean, the machine did it behind me, I have a driving tractor, and so it's, it's calibrated, it's good, and here I am doing it on my own, and, and, I, and I think come full circle, uh, midway through season, I began to become aware there's this one variety of carrot that I planted. And these were not special carrots. These are just average, ordinary carrots. So you think these things germinate and grow and bring harvest, not a problem. And these were the these are my go-to. I thought I'll be yanking these things and this will be the easiest thing. Well, would you know this row of carrots, only one grew. One carrot out of the whole row actually popped out of the ground. And I remember feeling a little bit disturbed at it. And I remember thinking, mm, I'm not quite so sure about this. And it started, it started uh, penetrating um, the conversation I was having on the inside of myself about gardening. <laughs> and it was kind of random, but I remember thinking, wow, this sure isn't working. I put it down, but it's not bringing increase, so I don't know if I like gardening. And then the awareness hit. Do I only like gardening when it brings me something? Do I only love goodness? Do I only love... You know, the story, you and I, we can relate on, on a few levels, but, you know, for example, faith-based. Do I only celebrate, do I only love Jesus or God, or do I have a faith when I get something? And I thought, oh, what a rich story. And I remember I stood there by that row, and I just started weeping. And I'd say, ah, 
what gives me joy? Oftentimes they say we have love seldomly the way that a true example of love is. When somebody hugs you and you hug them back, you can say it's love, but it's just I give you back what you gave me. True love is saying you don't need to give me anything. I just love you because I love you. Right? I don't I don't think that for uh, for most of us we really enjoy the thought, and for those that believe in an afterlife. We don't, I, don't, I wonder if we enjoy the thought of we want to go to heaven because we fear hell so much. I think we just, we just want to love Jesus because we love Jesus. He kept wrapping himself around interesting stories. And no matter what society did, he said, you've heard it said, like the Ten Commandments and different things, but I say unto you, go right. love your brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Sounds like you had a book right there in the midst of what you just told me. So it seems like a book. Well, that's your job to write it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to find out kind of all of us have a story about how we got to where we are. So who were people that were major influences in your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I have one that that seems to follow me around. It's my wife. (laughs) And let's just say it this way. She she reflects back to me um, some of the things that, and listeners, you can observe this and take it in even for yourself. You have a life partner or if you have a special friend or whatever, how is it often we choose those people because we want to trust that what they have to share with us and how they see us might give us some value and show us some sides that if we just open up to, that they'd bring us to something that would be breathtaking. And it might actually shake us to the core. Um, and so my wife has done that several times in my life. And let's just say it this way. Um, she is the best of me and, uh, um, she's so gracious and so courage filled <laughs> to, um, cause I, I, you know, something that people probably also don't know is I can be pretty assertive. <laughs> I used to be more aggressive. I'm not talking about physically aggressive, but emotionally we can be quite like, well, honey, are you sure this is, and she's, well, you might want to think about it. I'm like, well, okay. So there's, there's Meg and then people like Tony Robbins. I really appreciate him. Um, not for the positivity that some people think he is, but for the realism that he is and how, um, you know, a story at some point in time and, and probably today won't allow, but, you know, something happened magically in my life. My parents often would have said, so my parents are very conservative Christian. And so Tony, sometimes at his events, uses very colorful language. And, um, and so there wasn't a lot of room for that in our home, which, which I can appreciate. It is what it is. And so one of the reasons that Tony does it, though, is for a strategic reason. I do know him a little personally. He doesn't use words like that in a personal conversation. But sometimes just to scratch the record and get you to think of things and frame things differently, just break the record. And so my life, I'll be honest, it changed, um, all of which changed when I was – and part of my awareness of being grateful and looking for the good came at one of his events, so Date with Destiny. Two other people, Rob Bell – uh, Rob Bell helped me to hmm, deconstruct my faith, but then reconstruct it. So have a reborn experience. So include. So instead of being like, well, why are my parents so backwards? Why don't they do? Why don't they do faith like this? Uh, not to be like that. I was kind of raised where everything is about converting, right? You would be with if somebody was really different, you'd be with them, but slowly and surely, you would say. Um, Aren't you anxious that you don't have a faith like I do? Don't don't you want to convert to my? And it was always about that. And so, um, anyway, Rob Bell's helped me there, and then Peter Rollins. Uh, I really appreciated Peter for many reasons. One of which being, um, he debates the greater tensions of life. 
So for any of you that know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 4. And the Enneagram 4 likes to feel and feel all of it. And likes to feel the stretch of. And so um, the polarities of life, we know unless we dive into the polarities of life, we have a demand of ourselves and we have a desire of ourselves. So those two can be at odds if we want them to be, or we can let them join hands. Like the lion and the lamb together at the same time, not either or, both and coming to play. And I think Peter Rollins for me was making safe concepts, like even just using an example. Like my wife has this little reading from him and she read it for myself or to myself and my kids a short while ago. And it talks about how this demon came to visit a pastor. And so in the past, I would hear things like this, and I'd be like, oh, demon, oh, we don't want to say those words or anything like that, right? And so um, just how, how precious and how good it is to not be afraid of the fear anymore, but just turn your face towards it and see that it is just there. And so the story kind of goes on. There's many things that Peter Rollins does, but the story goes on to basically the pastor at the end, the demon said, I've been with you at church for a while. You let me be here, but can I come home with you? And the pastor says, welcome, just come, just come. And eventually the demon just figured, hey, this isn't working. This isn't helping because I'm welcome wherever he goes. And I think what it is for me is taking what I once perceived as a threat and building my faith um, from a place of instead of being absolute about it, letting mystery be mystery, letting me tap into the unknown, and instead of always finding strength by by thinking that I know, now going there's mystery and leaving room for that space um, just has me being um, just even more grateful and even more present with and 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 less knowing has has me just enjoy the experience more and it's funny i you know i feel in the story in the bible jesus was pierced i feel like when i meet people like you whoever i meet they pierce me like they speak to me and i love that about life so so i'd say those four people meg tony robbins um rob bell and peter rollins that's cool i I like that the the idea of mystery we have that in our church too especially for us around the Mm -hmm. lord's supper um we sometimes forget that there's there's a mystery between the the body and blood being joined together in the Lord's Supper, and we can't truly explain it. And if we try to take it apart to explain it too much, we we lose the mystery. We also lose the power. Mm. It just it just mm. happens. Jesus says it is, and so we say yes. There there's a mystery in that mystery in the waters mm. of baptism uh, for us as well. So that's really cool. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about big tech or big brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number 4, freedommobile.com. Mm. 
I love that. I love that. Oh, man, that is so rich. Yeah. You know, they often, um, if you don't mind, I'll just interject you real quick, but they often say if you ever want to bring an end to the good news or anything that's brilliant, like if you want to bring an end to like the story of Jesus, just claim that you know all the answers and that's the end. <laughs> There's nothing left to debate, wrestle with, right? And so. That's right. So I want to talk to you about kind of what's going on in our world right now. I just read a recent survey that said, especially among our young people today, coming out of the pandemic, they've lost a sense of purpose. So if you're talking with someone who's kind of trying to find their footing in the world, how do you help them find the proper foundation that will support them, kind of the building infrastructures of their life? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's a really good one, right? Purpose, I think to some degree, purpose stems back to the thought of arrival. And I think what I mean to say is, how many people don't we know and listeners tap into? And I think to, for, for, for all of us, we have this, and whether it's subtle or to massive degree, but this question on we're working towards something and we're going someplace in life. And I think unless we get to the to the truth, perhaps, the way I understand it, of when we arrived. When when we arrive or when did we arrive? For me, I just think so much of life falls together and harmonizes when we reckon that we arrived when we were born. And when we were born, we already had all things that we had need of. And all things were created good. And so if all things were created good and we had all things we had need of, what did we have? We had a specific passion, a specific obsession, a specific fascination at birth. And that language, the way we language that was through receiving empathy and giving empathy. We couldn't speak. Empathy was our first language. We tended to communicate quite well. We cried in a certain way and the soother came. We squirmed a little differently and we were fed milk. And so what I think is, if we would be a little more empathetic towards who we are and what passions we actually have. So everyone has a different, a slightly nuanced version of something that they appreciate. So purpose. When I think in relation to purpose, when you come to the reckoning, that you're not waiting to arrive, but you already arrived, you'll begin to perhaps become still. And when you're still, you begin to know. And I think that knowing what it takes is courage. And the courage to understand that when you come to the world with what you're obsessed and fascinated by, that specific thing, the truth that God's written on your heart, the world likely will look at you and say, what are you doing? Because the world doesn't understand that's what they're supposed to do. They don't get it. You do. That's why it's your job. And so when I think about in current place, it seems like there's a lot of anxious striving away from the truth. I think about how often, you know, you hear parents raising children or these authors, these, these people who have good intent, no doubt. But I think if you're trying to fill the lack, fill the void, 
by just pedaling, pedaling, pedaling in the hamster wheel. And I think if you're not going to get to the reality of what you're really doing, which is likely that you're just trying to soothe your anxieties, you're not really dealing with life and you're just kicking the can down the road. I think unless we start reconciling that, we think that the younger generation has trouble with purpose. I think, I think it's caught. They catch what we do. And it's finally come home, come to roost with us. And we're observing that us kicking the can down the road, they now have to deal with it. The price is being paid by them. They're not sure. Let's be honest. Anyone's passion and purpose involves some core universal similarities. A human feels good when a human can be of benefit. Be a beneficial presence. The human feels good. The human naturally wants to do something that will make it feel good. And if you think about a teenager today, young adult, struggling with purpose, what manner of tone is so loud in their ear? What's speaking so loud? It's probably not just their parents. It's probably not just their aunts and uncles or their friends. You know, I think it's just society. We have allowed ourselves to become so entrained, so entrained to apparently want to be where we can't be. You know where we can't be? Anywhere but here. Your feet are here. And guess where your feet are? In the dirt. And guess where your arms are? In the air. So you're up and you're down at the same time. We are here, unless we are present to our reality, if we're constantly trying to flee our existence, all I happen to know, whether it's an 18-year-old, 25-year-old, or like me, 46, or like you, 32, perhaps. I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I wish I was 32. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you put into my world that apparently I should be thinking different than I am, and I'll be, I'll be paralyzed, just like they often are. So I think to become clear requires, and I'll say this, perhaps people don't wait for somebody to rescue you. Don't wait for someone to come, knight in shining armor to change this for you. Because the people that kick the can down the road likely don't have that ability themselves. They have the ability, but they've chosen to deny it. You gotta do that yourself. And when you do it yourself, you'll actually you'll actually move the needle and feel a purpose activated in your life. And what's interesting, you, the, again, I'm repeating here, but the purpose that activates in your life is when you align back to how you were formed, how you were, what, ener what energized you, and you won't look for the approval from other. What you will do is you will begin to give and receive love towards yourself so you'll say, can I be empathetic and courageous to action this? So you'll love that part and you'll action it. It'll be a little scary, but you'll action it. And instead of waiting to receive the affirmation of another, you're going to feel. So I, I love your I love your idea about finding your purpose. And I, I kind of want to touch base on touch back on it, because I think what I summarize hearing you saying is. It's important for us as we're talking about our purpose 
to realize that that purpose comes from the way God uniquely crafted you and created you and what he designed you to do. And when you find that, that gives you the empathy and the compassion to go out and be what God has created you to be. It's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. You, you know, what's interesting. I, I, uh, I, I'd say yes, but I think what comes first, and this is just my perspective, but, but I have this little thought, which is like grace is for all of us. But in my experience, we can, we can shield ourselves from grace. Grace is an undeserved, un, you know, there's a gift that just comes more of it. So, you know, it's a gift that just continues. We can't, we, we can't do more, can't do less. The only thing is I can stop grace from flowing through me if I like where I can have an impact on that. And so it's almost like we have to take a step towards being compassionate to the vessel that we are. Like Bible talks about don't oppress your brother. And I think it's interesting is the brother begins with you. Don't oppress yourself. And you have to be open to your own self. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, and I don't want to say yay or nay. Like That's not what I'm here about. Not absolute. But my experience is um, I had to first be open, and then I could hear God's voice. He was knocking, but I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, doing my thing, right?" Right. So yeah, I agree with you. To me, it's just a sequential thing, and I don't know if that makes a difference. But for me, it ended up that's what was required first. That I was open to being empathetic with myself because He was saying, "I love you, I love you," and I, He was being gracious and tender, and I was just treating myself harshly. And to this day, I still—I'll be honest—like that's kind of like the. <laughs> The thorn in the flesh, like you know, I keep looking back, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite assertive towards myself. Like I have some pretty high demands, <laughs> standards. Well, it kind of goes back to your initial example too. Is that you know, Satan visits the pastor, and he and he and he really tells you, like he told Jesus in the wilderness, you're not worthy. God doesn't want you. Hmm. Why don't you serve me instead? And kind of what you said is the way I describe it is. The reason we're not receptive is because Satanists keep telling us we're not worthy of the grace. And mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. start convincing ourselves we're not worthy of the grace. And Great until point. until we stop listening to the wrong voice in our head, <laughs> we're never going to re- really kind of say, okay, yeah, that grace really is for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Listening to the wrong voice, and I get it. And what I've come to appreciate... Um, so often I think we create that voice. <laughs> Why? Because it's like, if we do that, then we have need of God to rescue us from that voice, maybe. Like, I find fascinating that, right? Like, how do each one of us has need of God somehow? And sometimes we need to create this enemy voice so that God can save us. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But I get it. I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me dig a little deeper now. So now you've, you've listened to your purpose and you said, yes, I want to do... Mm-hmm what God has in mind for me to do. So how do you move beyond the fear of negative outcomes and really focus on the possibilities? Cause that's always hard for people to, once you know what you should mm-hmm. do, how do you move forward and do it? Well, I think on, on that merit, one of the things that comes to mind for me is we can first need to address, you know, negative, the fear of a negative outcome. You know, society seems so wrapped up in fear is bad. And so what happens is we do an end run, end run around fear, apparently. That's the thing to do. You just run around it. And just like apparently we say fear is bad, people have this concept that losing in life is bad. 
So we have wins and losses. We have about both things in life. Win, lose, or draw. It's kind of how the human looks at things. It's an you know, overtly simplified version of reality, but that's kind of, I think, how the human looks at it. Oftentimes we say negative is another word for bad. But if you look at the goodness of a electrical circuit, what do you have? Positive, negative, polarity. Unless there's polarity, there's nothing. There's nothing alive if there's not polarity. Tension needs to exist. Without tension, I interviewed a lady a little while ago on my show. She's a, a litigation lawyer, and she has this whole thing where she talks about, and oh, I love it so much, conflict without combat. <laughs> right? Tension means there's something alive, something going on. Stick your hand into the socket. You'll feel it. Unplug it from its groundedness or take the positivity charge away and nothing will happen. There's nothing going on. There's life when there's something felt that's wrestling. It's like the lion and the lamb wrestling. Someday they say in heaven, but thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lion and lamb, we get to bring that into us. And how many of us don't feel? Sometimes it's like, I got to shut my brain up because my brain's the enemy. My heart knows what it wants. And it's like, apparently these are, these are at war. We can see it at light war, meaning that they're doing combat. And then try to shut the mind off though. The mind just needs to be told what to do and how it wants to be led. But things are created for good. Things are created so that they can work together. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about it so well. It doesn't say this or that. It says this and that. Some people say, how did Jesus do all the things he did? Like He must have been like so taxed, his willpower reserves drawn out, always deciding what is. Maybe what he didn't do is he didn't decide what was good or bad. Because Adam and Eve did that. They were told in the garden, there's a tree of knowledge right in the middle. And if you're wise, you just won't eat of it. They had everything they needed. Think about this. They had everything they needed. One day, they walked up to the tree and they're like, we want to be like God. What did they want to do? They wanted to be, have the ability and they thought, wait a minute. Why can't we decide if this was good or bad? So really, they decided... I think it might be okay. So they made the decision. So what they really did, and just to slow it down here, they chose that they could decide what was good or bad. And ask yourself, when does the human ever enjoy itself well? When it judges. It doesn't. We make horrible, Bible talks, we make horrible judges. Don't get involved. So what did God say? God basically said, oh, you wanted to judge what's good or bad you can leave and you'll be about toiling when i look at it like this we're not here just so we can escape someday meaning we're not here on this earth just so we can say it's a horrible place let's get out of here it's not our home i don't think god a loving presence would have put us here if this is just some sick trick and so it's like to the concept of why choose left or right why not be a bridge builder and a bridge builder it's kind of lonely territory, honest, because there's not a lot of people there. A lot of people are like, why don't you choose sides? Are you like a floozy? You don't, you know, you're just all like peace, love, and joy. And it's like, actually, if you want to know the tension that I'm holding, you know what it requires the shoulders to get wide to bring inclusion? It's the opposite of just sitting on the fence and comfortably not making a decision. It's just deciding that we don't need to decide. Is that the one I want? Or... So again, here's the thing. We toil in life, unhelpful toiling in life happens when we want to decide what's good that's to me the simplicity and to your question here you, you know you asked okay moving beyond the fear of negative outcome 
first step often in life is we empathize with our problems. And that's good. I think empathy is if you have something going on, I empathize with your problem. But if you ever want to stay stuck, continue just empathizing with your problem. What we must first see is clearly what it is. Clearly what it is and empathize with it. Second step is empathize with the possibility of it. And when you empathize with the possibility of it, what's interesting is this. A negative outcome is basically one of your choosing. And what I mean to say is, if God has given you all things you have need of, and if you create an outcome, maybe the negative outcome, those two words, have a difficult time coexisting side by side. Maybe the outcome is just an outcome. Maybe it's not bad. Maybe this is exactly the good news for you that was sent to you to participate with, not to eliminate. Not to say, I don't want to be here, and then try to flee your presence like I said before. Maybe, little hint, always. You are here for this moment, for a reason, and you have gifts hidden in disguise. 50% of people's lives are typically walked right past. They wonder where the gold is. They're walking right past it every day. The Lord himself said, don't be afraid of fear. He said, fear not. But I think what he meant to say is utilize fear. Utilize everything. All things that I've created are for you to use. Use it. Instead of constantly asking me, can you give me, can you give me, can you give me? Why not instead of being grateful? So you have a weekly podcast, uh, Weekly Wins and Losses. Tell us about what that podcast is like and what do you cover in it? Mm-hmm. And so wins and losses, it's like, I think to do real with the emotion that we all feel. We all want to win. We all want to feel big. But there's a certain powerless power that Jesus had. When you're weak, then you're strong. You don't have to be big all the time because I made you from dust and you will return to dust. And in this moment, you are both who you are, who you perceive yourself to be, this, this, this person, bigger than dust. But I'm going to nicely remind you, you are going to come down to dust someday. So I think just to weekly wins and losses, it's a no charge Friday noon call. People from around the world come and they language a win and a loss. And the reason that I do this is I want people to have a faith experience and have an experience where they realize that the good news is when you stop churning the thing that society says is bad news into worse news than what it really is. Listen, the facts are the facts. Do you want to see clearly or not? If you want reality, you're going to harmonize with it. When you harmonize with it, you don't need to like use it as identity. This is just a marker. It's just a, it's something that happened. No shame, no blame. So the call, it's an hour long, every Friday at noon, people come, show up, they language, a win and a loss, and some people just observe. Very few, most participate, to be honest, but some just observe, and it's interesting to see them, you know how it often is, like, bury each other's burdens. So doing it live, and then they say a loss, and you can hear they're kind of a little shaky, like they're not quite sure about all this. And then they see other people are unflinching in the eye of the storm. You get to close your week going, there's purpose. 
You thought you had just gained because of all the wins. You're realizing I'm gaining because my losses too, meaning I'm feeling the stretch on the inside and I'm waking up. I'm having a rebirth every week. And then you get to reset for the next week. And you're like, ah, see, I'm not a loser. And if you don't feel like you're a loser, what doesn't the man try the next week? How much courage doesn't he have to try something new? That's good. So I like that. So all, all my guests, when your final journey's mm -hmm. over, what do you want your legacy mm -hmm. to be? Mm. You know, they say we, we, um, we often change impacts or things that are etched into our life. It comes through either deep pain, so either great pain or great love. And I'd say this, I don't need to be remembered. Me personally, I don't, I don't need to. I used to have a craving for that. It's not my ideal world anymore. I don't need it. But I hope that I have made just even the smallest of difference within a few things. Number one, that we recognize that life owes us nothing. Nothing. Number two, that nothing has to be perfect. Nothing. Number three, we realize that everything is a co-creation. That unhealthy expectation of that we have to deliver everything and make it perfect and make it certain, just so. It's a co-creation. We get to create with the greatest creator of all. And he says, "You, I made you in my image. I created you and I created you to create. And then we get to co-create with this amazing source of love is just incredible. Number four, that nothing traps us anymore and that everything frees us. And this is not a positive thinking BS concept. But that we finally be about looking at, and even if we don't understand how, what we're trying so hard not to turn into bad news, we're wrestling against, we're wrestling, we're wrestling. And it's like that we just begin to realize that there is a force that came, the force that lives amongst us. And that force says, you are free. You are liberated. Don't be the enemy of the state. Don't be an enemy to yourself. Open yourself. Right? And so, um, finally, and it's the fifth thing that I focus on dearly with all my clients and in my life with Meg and the boys. And here's how I say it in simplistic term. I hope for life to remember that the greatest honor is that we do not need to be in control, nor do we want to be. We simply need to allow it and participate with it. It's hard sometimes is remembering that, like you just said, we're not in control. Um, mm. there, there's always a desire to think you can control every aspect of your life. And to just like go and go, this really isn't in my purview. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and to say, okay, God, you got to take care of this because I want to be in control. So yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to remind myself that I am not in control. <laughs> you know, and I like that. You know, I, you know, I love that smile on your face when you say that. You're like, so there's a million, there's three novels or books right there on that smile. That's right. There's stories. I love it so much, right? Well, James, this has been great. So what can people find you on social media? Things, yeah, yeah. So I actually have a, a limited social media presence. I do. Uh, well, I have I have Facebook and I have Twitter. I'm not really that present. My people typically find me uh, after 
they've gone through a situation in life when they realize, and to your point on the control, I love how you language that, when trying to control themselves to the finish line or some version of some place, controlling God or like choosing a vending machine God just no longer works. And so they find me. So if you want to, and those of you here who are listening, some of you will feel likely, and if you do, great. If not, great. But if you feel a nudge, you would like to perhaps work with me one-on-one, just see what that would look like. Go to www.jameshepner.com. So it's J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R.com. And you can hit me up there. So contact page, you'll see there's a coaching page. And then for all of you listeners, so this includes all of you, there's a specific page on my main page. If you want to go to that page directly, it will bring you into, there's a little gift for each one of you. And that is a little link where you can register to come to one of the no charge weekly wins and losses community call. Again, Friday happening at noon and you get to tap in, you get to experience and just be with other people and yourself in this journey called life. Well, thanks James. That's great. So good to have you on and, and blessings on the work that you do and looking forward to where, seeing where God leads you. Keith, it was an honor. It's a pleasure. I always enjoy being with people like you. I got so much to learn from people like exactly like you. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on From Mess to Miracle. Make sure you visit our website at https frommesstomiracle.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply like to tell a friend about the show, You will help us get the message out to bless more people. If you like this show, you might want similar content. You can follow my blog at www.alightbreakthrough.org. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Just remember, out of our messiness, God makes miracles.